everybody. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to another edition of the Pure Tennis Podcast. Super excited today because we got a special guest. We have the 2023 Aussie Open Junior Doubles Champion, Cooper Williams. I appreciate you joining the show. How are we doing today? Happy Friday. Thank you, man. Thanks for the hype. Uh, it's good to be here. You know, me and Nate, we go way back. We have a good time. So I'm excited to be on the podcast, guys. The, does it even sound real when I say 2023 Junior Open Doubles Champion? No, it's going to take a couple more months to process. Like, I see the trophy and I'm like, my name's on it. I'm like, that's super cool, but I need more time, you know? It's, and <laughs> and the way we ended it, too, like, I just, I need a couple more months. Did you guys both get a trophy? We did. We So we held the big one for the pictures and everything, which was super cool. And I didn't know we were, I thought we were going to get two big ones. We actually got two smaller ones that look identical to the big one. They have our names engraved on the bottom. They're dope. They're that's awesome. Nice. somewhere here in my room. I can probably grab it. We need to see it on video, bro. We need to see this. Yeah, let me get it. Let me get it. <laughs> <laughs> He's knocking over hardware as he speaks. He's got a lot, a lot of bling in the, in the room right now. Yeah. All right. Here we go. I got you. Let's see this. All right. Here is the trophy. And wow. I, it's probably not close enough, but you can see Lerner's name and my name here at the bottom. So it says 2023 Australian Open Junior Boys Doubles Champion, Lerner TN USA, and Cooper Williams USA. Nice. That's, oh. that's amazing. That's awesome. I mean, cool. what a, what a, so we, before the podcast started, he was like, do you think they got two trophies or are they like sharing the, they, they shared it. They sent it via, <laughs> via UPS, you know, back and forth to show the family. Yeah. So we actually, we were up on, uh, so after we won, they took us up and they gave us some food and everything is a little bit of a ceremony and stuff. And we were confused as to what was going on with the trophy situation. So we were like, is it rude to ask? Or like, do we have, is there like some process? Cause I, I've never won a slam before neither has learner. So we're just kind of, so it's a first time experience for us. So we waited like an hour and then we're like, all right, we finally grew the, grew a pair. And like, you know, so what do we do about trophies? Cause the, the finalists got their trophies on the court. Right. So right. we're like, oh, cool. And then we didn't get one. We're like, oh, okay. All right. Maybe it's coming later. So we're sitting there and we finally grow a pair and we ask and we're like, uh, so what's the uh, tro situation with the trophies? And she goes, oh, yeah, they're engraving yours right now. And I'm like, oh, all right, all right, cool. As they should. As they should. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. so, and so they, they brought them right back up to us on the uh, the terrace level, and we got to sit and eat with them for like half an hour, and then they were ours. That's, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's amazing. So talk to us. I mean, what was it like? I mean, were you guys sharing a locker room with other tour players, or did the juniors have their own kind of setup, or what, what's that like? Yeah, so the first uh, – up until the semis and finals. So semis of singles and finals of doubles, you're actually at NTC locker room, which is honestly – I mean, it's awesome. Like the locker room's massive. You're with some of the pros, not all of them, but like pros going in and out. Like I saw Rublev, Kachanov in there. Um, the other pros were in there all the time, but it's mainly for juniors. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, you have the practice courts there, mm -hmm. and you have the outdoor practice courts, and then you have like a massive gym up there where you see a bunch of pros all the time just because it's like a huge gym. It's just nice. It's kind of quiet. Yep. Um, and as the tournament gets deeper, it gets even quieter. But so we ended up making the finals. So we actually got moved locker rooms. We got moved to Rod Laver Arena, and those are with with the pros. But, uh, I mean, the, obviously the last two guys there were, you know, Novak and Poss, so they had their own spaces. But uh, we're in the locker room with, like, Bob, Mike, Bryan, all the Legends players. It was super cool. It was awesome. Awesome was that. What interactions did you have with some of those Legends? Oh, we uh, – I was – Bob and Mike were uh, standing outside once we came back from uh, winning our match, and they're just like, oh, great job, guys. And they gave Lerner some hate because he's going to USC because I know they went to Stanford. Yep. And then um, – Did you get a chest bump? Sorry? 
Did you guys get a chest bump from the from the Brian bro? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have the balls to ask for that one there. I, I should have. I definitely should have. But uh, but uh, no, I didn't. But yeah, I mean, there's just good banter. They're super nice guys. They just uh, they seem to love being around tennis, and uh, they gave us both some first choices in schools. But they're really good guys. We saw Baghdadis in there too, oh, and we were just watching tennis on the TV, and he's just going at them, just telling them how they bad they are, like just bashing them, and all in all a fun way. But uh. Yeah, because him and uh, our coach, Brian, were good friends, too. They played a lot in juniors. So, yeah, everybody knows everybody. It's, it's a really, really unique experience. That's amazing. Got two legendary doubles players with the Brian brothers out there. Congratulating you guys. Yeah. I won, what, almost like 30 slams or something crazy? I don't yeah. even know. We got uh, our first one. We're acting like it's a huge deal. <laughs> so, I mean, let's just go back to, like, what started this whole thing. Like, wh- how far do you and Lerner go back? In the, I mean, I'm sure you guys have met a ton in the juniors. But, like, wh- when did this partnership kind of formulate? Um, to be honest, I've played with Lerner once before, uh, before Terralgon. So we played the warm-up together. We won the warm-up and then we won Aussie. So we actually didn't lose in Australia. So we were, we went 10 and 0 in Australia, but, um, I played with him once before at like 12s winter nationals. I mean, we were toddlers. I, I don't think we were either five foot yet, but, um, wow. uh, yeah, we played back then. I think we got killed like third round and then haven't played since we've played a bunch in singles, just been around each other all the time. We've been good friends for like eight years. Um, I don't know. If I mean, our chemistry is the, the thing that made it work, to be honest, because I mean, we're not very like awesome, like Brian Brothers types doubles players, you know, but I think we're both good enough singles players and we get along really well that it just it clicks. I mean, you probably if you watch some of the matches, I mean, we're probably laughing and smiling every point and it may not look like the most professional thing ever. But like for me and Lerner, that's the only way we can play well. Like we have to be like, you know, getting in banter with each other, just kind of like throwing some jokes around in there. And like, even at seven all on like a third set breaker, we'll crack a joke and then we'll play two great points. And that's just how it works for us. That's just our uh, compatibility. Yeah, that's, that is real. That's yeah. real stuff right there. We just, I just, so Joe has recently been down up his tennis. He's a former golf guy who we got in the tennis world heavy last few years since COVID. And oh, yeah. he was like starting to play his tense tennis and it wasn't looking like his best results. And I'm like, dude, if you don't have fun, like you're not producing yeah. your best stuff. You got to play with joy. I, th- I, I think oh, that's, yeah. I think that's what, what the key is with these guys. Like you see, uh, even like Holger is doing more of it, but Kyrus has always done it. Uh, the guys mm-hmm. that are smiling and trying stuff and stay loose out there seem to provide, like it seems to boost their level of tennis just because they, they're they not getting that tense uh, energy, I feel like. But what kind of stuff are you, I mean, are you guys, um, are you guys giving signs or do you guys communicate every point or what was kind of the banter like between you two? I mean, I mean, when it comes to like strict double stuff, like we'll tell each other where to serve. And we actually had a joke the whole week because, uh, because our coach Brian is not, or yeah, he doesn't really like when I go big T on the do side because, you know, on fast courts, like people's backhand returns tend to be a bit better. So yeah. like our first match in Toronto, Brian's like, try and cut that serve out as much as possible if they're sitting on it and whatever. And so the whole week, uh, we just called that serve bomb T and every like big point or whatever, like <laughs> he'd like look at me and I wouldn't say anything. It's one of my better serves. And I'd be like, I'd just be waiting. I know Baker's watching. I'm like, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. <laughs> But I ended up doing it. I went for like, I went 12 for 12 on deuce points with going with bomb tee. So wow. Obviously, I mean, every big point throughout Australia and everything. I remember we were, we were like deuce point at five, three, I don't remember second round, like to get broken and, or no semis. It was five, three hours serving and match points. Like where am I serving? There's only one place I'm serving. I'm serving bomb tee. Like, no, it was awesome. But when it comes to that stuff, like we just have fun. I mean, that's the only way we know I mean, how to play with each other. 
you, you got bomb tea. I think Lerner's got bomb tea too. I think. Yeah, double oh bomb tea. That's oh yeah. <laughs> we were, I mean, Lerner served unreal that whole tournament. We were just we were popping them all week. It was super fun. So what? So doubles. I mean, where do you do you find time in your training blocks to hit the doubles court, or is this like you said, just two very good singles players, two of the best in the country that decide to have a relationship and are able to kind of form that chemistry and make it happen, or do you find yourself on the on the, in the training blocks able to fit some doubles um, practice time in? Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I, we don't practice that much doubles. I think um, I've played Lerner a lot in singles, so I know his game pretty well, and he knows my game pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think it's, we just practice mostly singles and, you know, every now and then if we're playing a doubles match just that day, we'll practice some stuff with Baker or, you know, with each other, we'll do volley to volley. But in general, it's just, it was just two singles players who decided like two weeks before trial ground that we were going to play together and we just kind of winged it and it, it worked out really well. Yeah, with the serve, you can, you can do that. I mean, when you're okay. hitting, hitting bomb yeah. You got Lerner's got yeah. 140 in his bag. Uh, how big are, how oh. big are you serving right now, Coop? Oh, I'm, I'm clocking. I mean, I don't know if the, the system's rigging it like they did at the open where Lerner hit like a 150, but, um, but I was hitting like in kilometers, I was getting up to 210 every now and then. So it was, I was hitting, I was hitting some big ones with the new but balls. For, for the uh, American audience that that doesn't mean anything to me as well. Oh, right. no, what, so like, like closer to 130 ish. Like, I think I hit one, like 132. That was my fastest of the tournament. That's yeah. That's, that's a big ball right there. 132 guys, I mean, to put that in perspective, if you hit any, anything over 120 is hard to put an eye on, I and mean, you're almost over 125, in my opinion, you're guessing. 130, mm -hmm. if you come within three or four inches of the line, that's a good night. Yeah. I was only serving bomb tea when I was going 130, so <laughs> I don't think I'm going to squat going 130. <laughs> you got to find the low part of the net on, on the big ball, a big flat ball. Um, mm -hmm. So did you find yourself, what, hitting a lot of kick serves out there? Yeah, I mean, the court's uh, – the courts are super fast, so learner serve was awesome. Oh, oh yeah, miles faster. Wow. Yeah, oh, I mean, at least it felt like that to me. When I played the open, the court I played on at least was fast. It was definitely quick, but I now wasn't really used to it, so I was like, oh, my goodness, fastest court I've ever played on. Mm -hmm. I came over here, and I was like, oh, my goodness, especially the outer courts. Like, if you play on – I think I played one of my matches on 12. It was mm -hmm. rapid, like just absolutely rapid. I played my first round there, and like the first game, I couldn't get a racket on the ball. Even though I'd hit on the other court, so I was just like, oh, my goodness. Because it was hot, or was, yes. it just, was the ball dead? Like, we were gonna, no, we were gonna I mean, we're too. using brand-new balls on fast courts. So, like, I mean, if you return well, I, I mean, you're if you return and serve well, I just don't know how you get beat. And obviously, Lerner returned and served really well the whole tournament. I returned and served well for, you know, most of it, and we did pretty well. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the so, courts were absolutely rapid. Interesting. So, FAA was uh... – that, that's that's cap that he was saying that the balls were not pressurized correctly and they were dying or whatever he was saying you didn't you didn't have that same uh, issue i don't think so i mean we're switching <laughs> seven to nine but I, and everything felt real like it was going really fast we were having 50 minute matches i don't think i spent uh, my first two rounds i spent like an hour and 20 minutes on court that's like that's crazy and they're both like three and three and four and three or something like they're right. not routine matches but they're Your just toughest like matches were what round two in the uh quarters uh, no, no, in singles, I my first two, first and second round, yeah, they were just absolutely rapid. Yeah, it looked. I think I spent more time on the doubles court in the first two rounds than I did in singles, which, which is crazy. Bizarre. That's crazy. bizarre. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, obviously you're a singles player, but I think doubles, in my opinion, for me, and like at least in college and stuff, it was always like a way for me to get relief from like the emotional draining grind of singles. Um, kind of speak yeah. to what doubles does for you and like the joy that even though you're not training for your doubles game as much. But, like, what is that feeling like to have a, a, a partner and a, a friend and a teammate to kind of go to war with? 
A hundred percent. Yeah, me and Learn, uh, Kyle's with us too. Uh, we've played each other in doubles a hundred times, and it's not like we – you nor, 90% of the time we're going to do better in singles than we do in doubles. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Kang is another top American player for those of you guys yeah, that don't know. Yeah, Kyle's, Kyle's awesome. Kyle's the GOAT, big forehand. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we, we play together all the time. Um, and honestly, when you're playing singles, it's super focused. It's individual, obviously. Tennis is an individual sport, so you're out there alone. And it's not always easy all the time to just be like, you know, you know, you win, you lose, and you you live and die by the sword essentially. So it's your own sword. Like, if you get if you screw up, it's on you. So I think when you play singles and then you go out and you play doubles, it's really nice to have someone on the court with you just to you know like talk to and just you know just joke around with a little. But you still like, give effort. It's just it just releases a lot of tension. I think, especially with a good friend like Lerner. I mean, we just had a great time, and you know we're not like expert doubles players, and we don't really you know, win a ton all the time together. We haven't really played, but you know, it's really nice to not have to, you know, just kill yourself all day on the singles court. So can we expect to see you guys rolling Garris run it back? I don't know a hundred percent that we're both going to play rolling Garris, but I know we're playing KZU. So I'll be there. The you know, I'll be at KZU then. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's- no, um, yeah. It'll be good. I think we're might play Wimby as well, but uh I mean, yeah, if, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So Exactly. And Kalamazoo, guys, is probably my favorite event that I attended last year. I mean, I didn't get to stay long enough. Got to see Coop play a couple matches, though. That atmosphere, that environment, the setup, the venue, the professionalism, the you know, the vendors are all out. Slinko has a sweet setup there. I mean, I, yeah. I was blown away by that whole ordeal. I mean, it was no, that's awesome. Actually, I actually played learner in the quarters there. I mean, he beat me like six and six and three or six and four, so – um, I think we joked about that quite a, quite a couple of times. I was before, bummed but... I didn't get to watch that match. I had something going on, but I remember watching, I looked at the score for that. No, Le- that was the first time I got to see Lerner play. I really, I think that was my mm-hmm. first time I saw you play as well in person, but I, yeah. I couldn't believe how big he was hitting the ball off, off the floor. I mean, it was the most casual beforehand I've ever it seen. It was crazy. We were, the courts were so slow. I played Bruno the round before I'd beaten Bruno. So I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I have a real player. shot, like playing men's us open. I'm like, Oh my, and Lerner was losing to, I don't remember to who, but he was losing. And, uh, and I'm like, oh my goodness, wow! And then I had like, oh, Lerner's like cracking the ball. He's like coming back from like a set and five one. I'm like, who am I watching? Because I haven't seen the guy that much to be honest. Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness! And he comes out the next day, and we have we have a good match. I mean, it wasn't the highest of quality, but uh, you know, we're good friends, and we had a good time out there. Awesome. So it was a lot of fun. And KZU is an awesome place to play. So that's awesome. Time. Last couple of things on the Aussie is first off, give me your best locker room memory that you'll take away, or the best practice court memory i mean i know you guys get to train with all the top players what, what was one thing from from this uh beginning of 2023 that you'll uh never forget this is probably the most unique story ever so we uh i got off court from doubles and i was with learner we we're going to stretch in the gym and everything and uh tommy paul's in there and he's you know like on his bike doing his warm-up and everything i'm like oh that's cool and you know like it's just mind our own business and everything and uh brian's friends and we, we all know each other because tommy watched some of my match like earlier in the week and he's a super nice guy and so I'm just biking, whatever. And I know, I don't remember. I think it was CC Poss and Kashnov were playing. And I don't know if Kashnov ended up winning the third or it went a little long or something. So Tommy's like, oh my goodness, I need someone to hit with because I'm not before 7.30 and now I need to hit. And he's like, I need to hit with a righty. So Brian looks at me and I'm like, oh, you know, I just got off court. Like I want to slam. And Tommy's like, oh, Cooper, will you hit with me? And I'm like, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great way to celebrate your win. And I'm like, Coming back on the tennis court. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be awesome. But no, it was super fun. We hit on uh, hit on John Kane. So that was cool. And we, we just, you know, struck up the gut for like 30 minutes, hit some serves, 
and that was that. And that will be my first time experience. I would have gotten off court and with within five minutes, I was hitting with a guy who was playing a semifinal. So yeah, that's ridiculous. Cool. Coming off the court, winning your first Grand Slam title, and you're going back on the court five minutes later to train with a semifinalist. To, with TP. Yeah. The TP, man, the legend. <laughs> Tommy just put on, that was an epic run for him. I mean, I was so happy oh, to see him do, do what he just did out there. And I, I don't think I've ever seen someone so athletic. Oh, dude, his his move, his court movement and his like the coverage he's able to and his flexibility and just the shot making he has from any point on the court, deep outer thirds. I mean, well beyond the baseline, he strikes the ball so beautifully. I mean, and he beat world number one Carlos Alcaraz in Canada. Too, he sure does. So. Yeah, yeah. No, Tommy, Tommy almost took a uh, Casper out the U.S. Open too. That was an epic five setter. Tommy's yeah. game is so fun to watch. I mean, he's a great. I think he's a great face of American tennis. He just. You know, he's not like – he's just a 5'10", 5'11", normal-sized, normal, normally built guy. But, mm-hmm. I mean, his – the goods that he has – I mean, his serve is huge too now. He's going 125. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's massive, and he spots it so well. It's it's really impressive. He's, he's, he's a good player. That's – so that's a really cool story, though. So let's – since we're on the tour talk, what players do you enjoy watching the most? And, like, who do you feel like you're able to kind of take pieces of their game most frequently and kind of put into your into your, your playing style? Um, I mean, in general, I don't want to be an all-American kid, but Taylor, to be honest, I mean, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say I model my game after Taylor's, but I mean, his backhand's money. It's compact. It's quick. He returns so well. Um, he's not like the greatest mover out there. He's a pretty tall dude. I mean, I think he's, I think he's an inch taller than me. Maybe I'm six three. I don't know if he's six four or some you're somewhere six, in there. He's, you're six three now. Yeah, I grew a lot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I met yeah, my knees hurt all the time. I met Cooper in an elevator at Indian Wells, and I think you were – this was like a little over – no, not even a year ago now. And I think you were maybe 5'11". I know I was a head taller than you, I felt like. That's crazy. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't I, I didn't think you were even six foot back then. Yeah, I was close. I was like knocking on the door. But, yeah, I probably grown three and a half, four inches since, since then. So, yeah. That's but, crazy. yeah, I mean, Taylor, like his serve and his forehand probably dominate the game. His backhand's a, like a wall – you know, comes forward well, returns really well, plays well from the back of the court, defends well. And that's kind of what I want to model my game after. Have a pretty much all around the game, all around game, but be able to, you know, move forward, backward, just be able to like, you know, use all my weapons and, and defend well. So that, that's what? who I would pick. You know? you Taylor Fritz over Tommy? Tommy's too explosive, man. I don't, I, I would love to play like Tommy, but I can't, that guy can jump three feet higher than me and, you know, do the splits and I can't do that. So the one thing I, so Taylor's obviously took it, took home Indian well. So he's playing a top 10 player in the world, but if he's able to push forward in the front court a little bit more and knock off some of those points, especially, you know, against that match he got against Poppy Rin, I mean, Fritz is going to mm-hmm. be a problem. I think that neck, a lot of those players like the Rublevs, the Zverevs, the Medvedevs, it's that the front court, uh, uncomfortability is where they kind of seem to get exposed at the top, top level. And I think that's an interesting, uh, cause I mean, Fritz is off the floor. He's huge off both wings. Do you yeah, feel like it, at, you're younger, like now you're, you're a college commit and stuff and you're almost what 18 now. Do you feel like you put any more emphasis on the front court game? Oh, a hundred percent, especially in Australia too. The courts are fast, man. And you, especially, I mean, on the stadiums, obviously uh, the pros are going to play a little different because the courts are, are a little slower on the stadiums, but on these outer courts, like, you get to hit two, three, four balls maybe from the back, and then you got to go, man. You got to get to net fast. You got to knock off volleys. You got to play like percentage tennis at the net. I mean, if if you have a 60, 40, you know, odds of winning the point at the net, you take it and you run with that because that's, that's those are good odds. You don't want to sit back there and wait for the ball to just beat you. You got to play the ball. And that's I mean, that's what we were trying to do all week. 
Um, and it's, it's super difficult, but even in general on slower courts, like I feel like for me, I'm not the fastest mover of all time. So sitting eight feet, 12 feet behind the baseline, isn't going to win me, you know, 10 out of 10 points. But I think coming forward and, you know, using my skills at the net is something I need to utilize a little more. And I've also seen, I've been following you now for a while and you've been putting a lot more work in, in the gym, uh, weight, weight training, and, uh, just working on your fitness levels. Where do you feel like that's impacted your game the most? And what, what's kind of been the focus on that in that aspect of your game? I think um, I've had a lot of matches end of last year uh, that, especially at Orange Bowl, I played a, a couple of long ones. And I pretty much just physically outlasted most to the guys I was playing. And I wasn't playing my best tennis. And I think that's just an absolutely important thing, and especially in junior tennis. Like not everybody's in the best physical condition of their life. So I think if you're able to outlast and just, you know, keep it steady, like it happened in Tralgon too. I played a kid who was just hitting the ball massive, like playing unreal tennis played for like three hours and he played one loose game at the end because he got a little tired and that's why I won the match, you know, because I wasn't playing great, but I think you can sneak a lot of matches. If you put the time in, in the gym, you're not cramping, you're putting on, you know, slight, a good amount more muscle. You're, you know, getting the agility better and you just move a little better then you'll be able to just sneak some matches that you really maybe don't deserve to win, you know, based on your game style or based on the way you're playing, but you'll have, you know, two, three, four more wins throughout the, throughout the year just because of your physicality and your I think that time. never I think that never changes. Never changes I think yeah. that's something like you learning that now is something that's gonna benefit because it just it doesn't change at any level. You can yeah. keep cracking forehands and stay at your highest level a little bit longer than the other people do. Yeah. And you win those that you win those games. You win those those No, points. I think that's a very uh awesome. mature mindset I think to have at this age. I mean this early in your career. I mean I am sure a lot of players would uh wish they had that focus. But I mean I mean, nutrition is stuff. It's such a big part of the game today. I mean, the top athlete, the best athletes, more often than not, are the best players on the tour right now. Um, yeah. I think we've seen that. With Holger Rune came on our podcast about a year ago, outside the top 100, and he wanted to make a jump to the top 25 and win three titles in 2022. And uh, just he had all these goals he talked about us on the podcast with, and all of it started with his his weight training and his getting nutrition strong. and getting stronger. And yeah. he put on probably seven to eight pounds of muscle in that time frame and. We saw him jump to – he beat his goal of top 25, went top 10. So, I mean, it yeah. really makes that difference. And I remember at the Open a couple of years ago, I don't know if you played Novak or someone, but they had like a war, and I think he ended up cramping or something. Yeah, I don't cramping. remember the last time I've seen him cramp since then. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's it. It seems to be working. You know? It was a huge issue for him early in his career was cramping, just like physically kind of giving out on him. But now it's it's mm. turned in his, in his favor, and now he's outlasting guys. Um, yeah. So let's, let's just talk about a little bit about your – so you're back in Florida now training. What is what does it look like coming back now? Into are you are you working towards challengers or what's kind of the new focus right now? Yeah, uh, I didn't get to play a ton of pro tournaments uh, end of last year, and I haven't played any this year so far. So pretty much from beginning of February to Roland Garros Juniors will be all pro tournaments. Um, I'm getting back. I'm playing one in Weston, just a local 15k. I literally live 25 minutes from Weston, so it could not be easier. And then the idea is to – the accelerator program actually gave me eight wild cards into qualies because I was top 20 last year. So I got eight wild cards into qualies of challengers. So obviously I'm going to utilize that and make the most of those opportunities. Uh, so I'll probably play Rome challenger, Waco challenger, and then I'll head to California. I think there's two 25s out there. And that's like the next, next six weeks. So I'll just be training in, in Orlando or wherever I am in between and just, uh, you know, try and peek at those, those tournaments. I saw some questions come in when we put up our Instagram, some, uh, 
just like the questionnaire and people wanted to know about your training blocks. Are you kind of one-on-one focused with the coach? Are you training in groups? What's like Cooper Williams ideal training block setup look like? Yeah. So a training block for me is probably one-on-one with my coach, Brian. Um, Usually it'll be, yeah. I mean, it it could be with another guy, like sometimes it's learner or Kyle, whoever or pro um, it is, but it's usually just me, one other guy, my coach, and we, work on stuff I need to work on, what the other person needs to work on, play some sets, just like trying everything that's not working, make slightly better and everything that is working, make that even slightly better. But that's the idea. I mean, we'd probably play, you know, three, four hours a day, get the fitness in, try and a training block. If it's three or four weeks, I'd probably up the fitness for one or two of the weeks just to like, you know, just get in, in better shape and maybe lower the tennis one of the weeks, up the fitness and then up the tennis, lower the fitness uh, it'll ba- balance out eventually, but that would be the idea. Just one-on-one focus mm-hmm. and just grit it out for four weeks. What's your biggest weapon on the court right now? Either my serve or my forehand. Mm-hmm. That's one of the two. So, all right. You, you committed to Harvard back in November of 2021, as far as I could see, and you stayed true to that commitment, but you've had this rise now where you've won a slam and you've been a top junior now for years. You're a blue chip recruit. Was there any ever – doubts that you would you may maybe bypass the collegiate route and just go turn pro um straight out of the juniors mm-hmm. well uh i mean the goal right now i'm trying to get my ranking inside the top 600 by by september because i'm playing you know just a ton of tournaments mm-hmm. and i think college as we've seen with ben uh he just killed it i mean he played i don't know if he played one year or something but he just killed it and obviously college is becoming more of an obvious route to pro tennis i know nori did it Rinder Nash did it, all unreal players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from, and Rinky as well, he just won a slam too. I mean, yep. the Yep, 100%, 100%. And I think, I know they're doing the accelerator program with ITA as well, so that's awesome. But I think specifically for me, I would need to check certain criteria, like my personal criteria. I need to, you know, go deep, be able to win 15s, 25s, go deep in challengers. And I think I have the level now. It's more about consistency. I don't think I'm quite, you know, mature enough yet to be able to put that many matches together on a consistent basis. But I think that's not far away. And that criteria would need to be checked for that to, uh, to mm-hmm. proceed in, in, in a different manner. I mean, I think we've seen, I mean, I was, I was wondering if the collegiate player success on tour had any impact on this decision of yours. I mean, we've seen, like you just said, Ben Shelton, JJ Wolf, Mackenzie McDonald, Nakashima. I mean, Brooksby mm-hmm. experimented with it for a brief time. I mean, there's international players. I've used the college. I mean, Kovacevic from Illinois, there's a ton yeah. of college players that have had success now. Has that kind of impacted your decision on taking this route that college tennis is actually not going to slow down your growth, but it's actually a great development um, part of the process for you? It's actually funny because I literally just hit with Brooksby the other day. I hit with him like two days ago. I know he's injured right now or whatever, or his wrist or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, even he talked about it with me. He, I think he stayed for a semester at Baylor. And I mean, now obviously he's an awesome player. Uh, Brandon did it before him. And obviously I kept that in mind. I'm like – I mean, if they can do it, I'm, I, I would love to think that I could do it because these guys put in the same work I did before and maybe they weren't a hundred percent at the level to do it when they were 17, but remember when they were 19, they're more physically mature. They're more mentally mature. Their game has developed. They've played good players in college and they're like, okay, now it's time for me to, you know, go experience the pro tour. I think the top level of college is, you know, top 300 level. Like I think your top 400 level, you're playing guys, who could easily, I mean, obviously you've seen in Kovacevic, like he's dominated challengers. Mm-hmm. Like he had a great college career and now he's dominating challengers. He's doing awesome. 
So obviously that uh, impacted my decision a little bit. Like, I, I mean, college, it's, if they can do it, like it, it definitely gives me some hope that, you know, only going pro isn't the only, only path to, to pro right. success. No, I mean, even Adam Walton from Tennessee, he just had some success down in Australia, winning a couple of challenge or winning a couple of qualifying matches. I think mm-hmm. I got to watch a lot of college tennis the past couple of years. I've been blown away by the level. I mean, watching okay. Shelton play two years in college and the last, we won a the team event the prior year and then he won individuals this past season. I mean, just watching him, I mean, that's, that's a pro player playing college tennis. And I think he got all, he had all the resources necessary to continue to improve. You're playing with guys on your team that are high 13 UTRs. The same would be for you at Harvard. You got probably three or four guys in the mid thirteens. And I think, so like your practice ball is, I mean, it's a tour level ball. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I know I've already hit with some of the guys on the team and I know we were like 13 or something in the country last week. We had a tough loss to UNC. So I think we dropped a bit to like 17 or 18. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we're, we're a top 15 team, top 20 team on a consistent basis. So our top three, four guys are high quality players. I know uh, the guy who plays one and two for us, Henry, he like before college, he was doing great in 25s. Like, like if he had gone pro, no one would have batted an eye, you know? Right. So I he, think all uh, these, a lot of these top guys had that option and being able to hit with them all day, train with them. And they still have their aspirations to play pro tennis, which is awesome. Cause after they're done with this, they're like, you know what? I want to play on the tour for two years at three years. I want to see how it goes. Cause that's still my goal to be a top hundred player or whatever that they push you and you push each other to just be better on the court, be better players. Just all of that. UTR has been a part of your career now for the better half of your, I mean, best years of tennis so far. I mean, it's, it's, it's for me, it's still a newer thing. Cause it, it happened right when I was graduating college, but I mean, how often do you find yourself checking your UTR? Have you tried to stay away from kind of getting caught up in that? I mean, cause you um, always- I mean, to be honest, it's not like the live, you can't really live and die by it because you know, some guys in Europe, I feel like it's different. Like guys lower in Europe, maybe higher. And it's not always completely accurate, but, uh, for me, I check it sometimes now and then just to see who I'm playing. I don't really check my own. I mean, obviously, I, I, I'm pretty high. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good tennis player. But, uh, I mean, yeah, you look at Novak. He's a, or 16 or something like that. So there's room to go. I'm like a 13-2. So I have to, you know, improve a little bit to get there. But it definitely, like, in comparison to what type of tournaments you play, if you play a junior tournament, like Aussie Open, I think I was a top five rated UTR guy. So there really only feels like there's one way to go if you're playing guys all lower than you, you know? So like if you drop a bit playing juniors, but if you go play pros, you play a challenger or, you know, uh, 25, like most guys would be higher rated than you. So you'd probably go up. So I think it's, it's a little iffy when it comes to that, but overall, I think it's a good um, basis of, of, you know, your level and, and what your trend is, how you're playing now and stuff like that. I think it does have value in that sense. hundred percent. I agree. I think the bar- it sets the barometer for me. And I think, I don't like to, I don't nerd out on it. Like I think some people do just like, like they study, like it's a science, but for me, it's just like, I enjoy, like I went back to your ranking from when you were like 2016, just to like watch like your steady growth of, of just in UTR points. Cause it just puts it more of like in a, uh, an easier way for me to digest. And it's just like, when you were 13 years old, you were like a 11 UTR, 10 UTR, which is just yeah. like, like you're a college player at yeah 11 or 12 years old, which is insane. So for me, that's like, this is this kid's on a different trajectory, even though if, even even if it's like I don't get into the decimal points, but I mean if you're in that range, it's like it starts kind of putting it into or make making it more uh, tangible, I guess for me. It's like wow, this sure. the level's already there. And then you see like crazy jumps with Ben. I mean he was playing five at, at Florida, four or five at Florida, 
And I mean, I think he was what I am now or something close at least. And now he's, I don't know, he's probably a 15 now. So like it happened like that for him. So like the, the drastic jumps that can happen, the level changes, uh, like you could see it when someone's like 11 or 12, and then you could have the Ben Sheldon who's like 18. And then at 19, he's a completely different player. It's true. Yeah. I mean, he was, outside the, he was outside the top 500 and then he decided you know, to stop losing. Just, yeah. I mean, he came to Cincinnati, <laughs> got to watch him take out Casper Rude three and three, lost eight points on his serve, watched yeah. him take out Sinego. And I mean, right then and there, it was like, this kid's going to have, he's got it. Like, and I think college tennis, like maybe, I don't think I'm giving it too much credit. I really think that college tennis atmospheres, the dual matches, the energy around there, the, the mental the, toughness. Yeah. The bantering that happens there from fans and other players. And it just gives you a mental edge that I think is a big part of the, the, the recipe for these guys having success on the tour is like nothing, yeah. nothing's going to phase Ben, even though he played against an Australian and Alexi Popurin who had the whole crowd on his side. He loved it. He, he loved it. And like, he let Alexi walk off the court after the win. And he was like, in his way, he was kind of like, all right, Aussies, you're going to cheer for me now. Like that's like, he yeah. kind of gave, he gave his kudos. And now he just turned it. Like, I think he turned a lot of Aussies into Ben Shelton fans. A hundred percent. They love sports over there. So like they get into it. I'm sure he knew that going in, but I mean, playing in front of the Florida crowd at like, when I know they played at UCF or whatever for the championship, like it's going to be a crazy thing. And he's totally embraced that, that, um, that situation and that atmosphere and like, honestly, I think it makes him play better. Like bantering or like yelling or anything, like even cheering or the opposite. Like it's crazy. And you see it in juniors too. Like it's not really U.S. players. Cause I feel like if you play in the U.S., like you don't get the same kind of fanfare that people do in other countries. Like I played a kid who's from Mexico. I played him in Mexico. We had like 5,000 people just That's like. crazy. Dude, the South American time. fans, the, dude, they are incredible. They are, the, the passion they have for the sport watching them support their guys at the U.S. Open, like they have legit organized chance. I'm Crazy. like, we're in New York City and the American fans have no chance competing with this. Like, uh, Tabilo, is it Tabilo? He was, playing yeah. against, he was playing against Wolf. And I mean, Wolf ended up sneaking that match out, I believe. But that was like an insane atmosphere. Like they had yeah. chance. And it's like, I'm sure you got to feel some of that. A hundred percent. I played in, yeah, I played the guy in Mexico and I was like, and they're very respectful fans. They don't really like get in your face. I mean, they'll make a comment here and there, but like, it doesn't really phase me to be honest. But, uh, but yeah, they get into it and they're just like, they live and die by this kid and this kid in his match. And I remember I went to, I was at Roland Garros and I watched this kid play and I actually played him in Taralgon. He's Brazilian. And everywhere this kid went, it felt like he had a, a group of a group, like a, just massive hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was crazy. I was like, Roland Garros, Wimbledon, U.S. Open, wherever he went, it's like they just all flew and they all followed him. And it was crazy. I mean, they were so supportive, so respectful, and it was really cool to see for, for something like that in juniors as well. It's especially after like the Miami Open where I'm, I'm friends with Emilio Gomez from – I coach with his sister now, and watching him get support from all the Ecuadorians down there, I mean, that mm-hmm. was insane. I mean, it felt like a home match for him in Miami, which was it's just pretty special to see, but – I got to know, Coop, how many foreheads did you sign in, in, in Australia? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I signed every – I more than 10 foreheads at least. At least. <laughs> you were asking me to sign, like, the most crazy stuff. Like, Wait, did you actually sign some foreheads? I signed some dude's arm, like, from, from <laughs> wrist to elbow. It was the weirdest thing ever. I was, I was like, you have something, like, physical on you that I can sign other than your – like forearm, man. Like this. Dude, this, this dude, is next time I see you, you're so, you, I, I'm gonna get my. I, I want my whole arm and, and wrist tatted by you. Yeah, I was like tattooing this guy. And like, I it was too much space, so I wrote my full name, like not my even my signature. I like 
cursed my way from his elbow to his. That's so weird. That's so weird. Dude, how old was this guy? <laughs> like twenty eight. <laughs> it wasn't even a kid. I was like, I was like, dude, really? Like, give me like five years. Like, I'll play. Like, when I like final like a like men's slam. Not <laughs> that. Like, that's hilarious. I mean, I've been around like tournaments my whole life, and don't get me wrong, like. I'm a sucker for like a picture. Like I'll take a picture with like anybody. Like oh. I just think that's cool. But like I've ne- even when I was a kid, like whether it was NBA or base MLB or tennis, like I was never an autograph guy. I never understood that. Like I, what are you gonna I do? Just, with that? I sell it's it. crazy. I've never signed so much stuff in my life. Like <laughs> I, like I've signed autographs. I played big tournaments and like I I signed a lot of autographs at Lipitide. I signed a lot of autographs at Slams. But by far, Aussie was just the craziest thing. Kids would like swarm you after you got off the court. And they'd give you like I signed a water bottle. They like throw hats at me. I'm out like six hats. I don't even know how it happened. Like I would give Wait, a you kid signed a up hat. Your, own, your own hat. You had to give out. Oh yeah. He'd be like, I have nothing for you to sign, and I'm like, I'm definitely not signing your arm. So like, I'll sign something else. And he's like, Oh, give me your hat. And I'm like, You know what? I'll give this kid my hat. And I made the mistake of giving one kid my hat. So now I have to give every kid a hat, oh, or I'm like a bad guy. You know. So obviously I obliged. A six is gonna love that. They got all these kids oh. with, with Cooper Williams hats. Oh, on. I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep texting the guy and go, "Hey, man, I'm you know out of hats, out of wristbands. Yeah, no longer have socks. Don't ask any questions. It's yeah, yeah stuff like that." Speaking of gear and stuff, let's that's that's a good transition right there, Cooper. You're a natural podcaster now. A, a lot of people. I mean, so you're start you're sponsored by A six and Babolat. First off, how long have you been with each of those respective brands? Babolat, I couldn't even give you the amount of years. I don't think I've played with any other racket competitively. Um, so obviously Chris and, and Seth, uh, they're awesome. They've been nothing but amazing with racket changes between different types of, uh, variations of the arrow. Um, you know, all of that stuff. I have like 12 rackets next to me here. So I, um, but yeah, they've been awesome. And then with ASICs, I think it's been about 18 months to two years now. And they've been amazing. Like the Australian open kit was awesome. I have like, here, I'll show you. I have the, like the craziest pair of shoes you've ever seen in your life. Let's go. Um, ASIC shoes are goaded. Yeah, I, I, this oh, was the, I don't have the one with me, but I'm a massive Giants fan. You probably see the flag behind me, yeah. but, um, their other, here, I'll grab it. The other, uh, shoe is actually Giants colors. Which, which was, so I got this right before the Giants played the Vikings. Jealous. That's so we got sad. the win and I was, I was wearing that out and, you know, I was, I was bragging and having my fun and then we got demolished by the Eagles. So I don't want to talk <laughs> about that, but, um, but yeah, they've been great. And the clothes, I mean, I think ASIC shoes are probably the, the probably the best made in tennis right now. As a, uh, someone that's tested a lot of shoes in the last few years, I would say, I, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but I would say ASICs is definitely may have the, may have the edge in the shoe. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they do. I, I think they, I think you just have, like, if we're being honest on the podcast, that we're all about honesty on this podcast, ASIC shoes. I mean, you got the gel resolution nine, you got the speed, speed, speed solution, you got the court FFs. It's that's not a fair lineup to go against anybody's trio. I mean, I'm an Adidas guy. I've been repping. I've liked the barricades. I've liked the Ubersonics. The Cybersonic is down the best shoe in the Asics or the Adidas line, but mm-hmm. Asics is just that quality control they have over there is silly. Agreed. I don't even know the names of the shoes. I just whatever they give me, I wear, and it's like it is awesome. I mean, I've worn, I've worn Asics shoes. I actually only wore Bablat shoes until I uh, I signed with Asics. But they've been awesome. I mean, the, the shoes are absolutely stellar. The clothes are comfortable. The kits look clean. Um, yeah, no, it's it's great stuff. It, it's it's really good. So YZA underscore forty four asked, "What string do you use, and what tension do you use, and are there any racket specs that you have different?" 
Um, I just changed my racket specs kind of. Uh, personally, I don't keep that much weight. I'll, I'll go like a full racket thing right now. But at the top of the racket, I keep pretty much no weight. I have most of my weight in the grip. I think I play with like three – it's pretty light racket. So it's like 310-ish, three, something around there. Um, but when it comes to string, I use uh, – I switched from – I used to use Selenko Hyper-G, and now I use a Bablat uh, rough string. And it's, it took a while getting used to, but I mean, it's awesome. I, I've been playing with it for around six months now. Why'd you change? Are you, grab, are you grabbing the ball better with it or what? I just felt like I had a miles more control because I pretty much like the Selenko Hyper G with the arrow racket that I used to use, which was the, I don't know what it was called, the, the 100 2020 arrow, just the yellow one. You know what I mean? Uh, that was just like a ball. That's my racket as well, Coop. The best racket in yeah. tennis right there. It's a good racket. Yeah. I mean, I sent that thing to the tarp like on every other shot. Like I was hitting <laughs> massive with that thing. It does that so too, occasionally. It felt, like, it felt like a little, uh, little too much to be honest. No, with but, the hyper G, that flexible of a, of a string that's smooth like that, it's a lot to control. Yeah. So I actually switched rackets. I switched to VS in oh, wow. October, I think, and that that has been awesome. Like it's actually my my favorite racket I've ever used. Like, you like the it, string pattern in there. Yeah, I, I, it's a 98 head, so I think it's 16 by 19, I think, but I'm not 100% sure. I could it be is. wrong. I don't know all the specs on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it 16 is. by 19. That's yeah. my racket. That's yeah. my racket. Oh. That's the best racket. Hey, welcome to being the best, man. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, but yeah, it's been great. And yeah. What tension so, are you on with, with the uh, RPM rough? What tension? Yeah. Uh, I string it around 50. It depends on where I play. Wow. Um, yeah, but I played in altitude, so I I raised it a bit to like fifty two or whatever. But I usually keep it between forty eight and fifty two. Are you a full bed of the same string? You don't no hybrid. No hybrid. Interesting. Yep. I like it. So I, I've tested RPM rough. That's especially indoors. I like it because you're able to. I feel like indoor the elements are so perfect that you need to be able to like. There's no wind or anything to knock your ball down, so you really need to be able to grab the ball. Um, yep. But yeah, that's cool. To, there's there's actually a new. I've been testing some new strings out there, but I. I will Bablat RPM blast is, is hard to beat for me in the, in, in the Bablat lines. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I think I tried that one a while back, but it's sitting in my closet. So I'll probably, probably whip it out every now and then I get, I'll probably, my dad actually uses it. I think, I mean, he's pretty bad at tennis. He just started, <laughs> but yeah, he loves, he just wants to hit the ball hard. So I'm like, here you go. Yeah. Here you that's go. really, that's relatable for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, some, some quicker questions that we want to get to was, um, this one worked out well for Holger. So I got to ask the same to you. What are your, I know you talked about being top of there, maybe, you know, try and get into the men's open. We'll see how that works. But at the goal, like, like stats wise, ranking wise, end of the year, I'd love to just like be able to go deep in challengers, maybe like quarter, semi final, whatever, you know, just to do it on a consistent basis. It's not like a one out trick, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, maybe break top 400. Just, uh, yeah, make, make my mark on the tour would be the idea. You've now made your debut at every Grand Slam event, correct? That is true. Yep, that's true. So from, from those events and the other Pro Tour events that you've been practice or hitting partners with, was there hitting – we just talked about the Tommy one, but was there a hitting session that you'd, like, remember that you took something away, whether it was, like, a routine or a preparation aspect or a drill or even a mindset of one of these players that you've, you've got the chance to hit with? Uh, well, actually, where I saw you in Indian Wells, I was hitting with the pros over there before, uh, before they got to the tournament. And I hit with like Alcaraz, Felix, all those guys. So it was it was a Babolat thing. So I mean, hit with all all the top players to play with Babolat. I remember those pictures. And I, remember, I just remember hitting with Alcaraz, and it was like, oh, he hits like a really good ball. It's not like the ma most massive thing I've ever seen. So I can like time it well and everything. And then I just remember seeing him like inject some pace, and like he he probably swung four percent faster 
it didn't look like anything, but the ball just like shot right by me. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. Like it's, it, it was really interesting to see that they, they don't hit the same ball every time. Like they'll hit a, a the, you know, just a regular rally and then they'll just inject something. You'll be like, oh my goodness, watch this happen. Or they'll throw one up. It's crazy. The, the diversity and variety they have in their tennis arsenal. And that's something I'm trying to incorporate too. Cause sometimes I get a little like poundy and I just try to keep like doom, 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 like laser the ball side to side. And that's just, it just doesn't work at the higher levels. You know, are you trying to inject more shape into your shots or, or what in that? You mean like anything just- different, like just some variety, like I'll go heavy. I'll go like just flat and then slice. And then, then like after three normal ones, I'll like give the guy a wake up call and just inject it and you know, stuff like that. Just, just to like keep them on their toes, you know? What the, like when you say that they're injecting something, what's shocking you more as a on the receiving end? Is it the the depth or is it the pace or the spin? Or it's, all, it's the or all but yeah. It, it's the it's probably pace and depth. That's the biggest thing. I mean, because it just it lands. They can hit the ball this far from the baseline ten out of ten times, and they, it just feels like they have uber control over the ball. And then when they inject pace, you're like, how is one supposed to get this back in a you know aggressive manner? On the commercial shoot we had with uh, JJ, not to, like probably six months ago, I was hitting with him, and he, I, I can speak to kind of what you just said. Is like we were hitting like a routine, you know. He's probably hitting 50 percent, and then as soon as he turned the notch a little bit to like seventy five percent, I mean, my footwork was off. The my sure. I was just breaking my racket. It's just like it's a different level of pace that he's hitting, and the ball is just crunching oh. your racket. It's just oh, it's, and it's, it's more like the surprise of it too for me. Yeah. That's what I mean. I can I can hit with these guys. Like I mean, that's really You're a lot better than I am, Coop. No, 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 no. I mean, I have my bad days, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, but, you don't uh, have to be humble, bro. You're a lot better than me, man. <laughs> I mean, no, but it was the surprise, to be honest. I mean, I hit with Andy Murray for a couple weeks in Orlando on red clay. And, like, I know this is a little sidetracked up, but, like, Love I mean, Andy has a metal hip. Like, <laughs> I, I, I forgot that for, like, like a good week. He's, like, I was 20, like Coop, he's 20 years older than you. I know. And I was like this. And so I would have, I would warm up my serve. And the first thing we do every day was, was we would go on hard court and he would have returns. We'd like return and play points for like 45 minutes. Whatever. We played for three weeks. And by the end of the third week, I could not lift my arm. Um, I was destroyed, but we'd go on the red clay. I mean, sometimes we'd hit for like four hours, four hours. And like, I've never seen somebody be so competitive at everything they do. Everything. <laughs> We'd end every practice with like the the bounce whatever game, or, or and then we play touch or something. The Djokovic we, game. Yeah, we played every day for three weeks. I did not win once, not once. <laughs> That's like, a little I'm demoralizing. Not, I'm not. I was up. We played to five. I was up four zero four times. I'm like, this guy's gonna tank. He's gonna give it to me. Like he's gonna like just hand it to me. Finally got it. Unbelievable points. I just didn't win once, and I was giving full effort. And I was just everything this guy did on court was unbelievably competitive. It was really, it was crazy to see. Murray's competitiveness is something that I've always admired. I mean, it's why he's, in my opinion, arguably the fourth best player of all time. He was just born in a, an era that was the greatest of all time. Um, point in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, if, I'm sure you saw that, that point. I mean, against against Kakanakis, I mean, that's absurd. Nuts. Nuts. He's, at, he's, at, he's at the back wall, tra- tra- tracking down balls, and that's just Andy Murray's whole career encapsulated in one point. So Murray's a legend. Muzz has just done ridiculous stuff. I mean, with a metal hip, it doesn't make sense. The fact that he still has those wheels and then he plays possum after the point, you think he's, he's done and he comes Crazy. back with more gas in the tank. It's unreal. It really, he has like his hands on his knees sometimes. And then he'll just like next point, 
like work you 52 balls into the ground and then just walk back towel and do the same thing again. It's he, crazy. His Billy ability is. to put the ball uh, like just keep you moving and he doesn't have to swing out of his shoes or anything. He just places the ball off both wings so well. I mean, his the ball was on a string with Murray and it always has been. That's always been like his biggest weapon is just placement and no matter if you're he's on the dead run or sprint, he just finds angles and his precision has always been ridiculous for me. Next up, Coop, you play a ton of tennis and all this traveling you've done throughout all these years of your juniors and stuff. Have you ever been like, feel it felt like you've been burned out a little bit? Oh, I mean, all the time. I, I would, if you ask any tennis player and they say they don't get burned out, I would in the nicest way possible, probably say they're lying, uh, especially on the junior tour. I think it's, it's really easy to, like go back. Cause I mean, I haven't, I didn't play that many ITFs last year, but like there's a year in the juniors where you kind of have to grind just to get your ranking in a sense where you don't have to play like threes, fours, fives, where you can just play the bigger tournaments. And that's like the toughest part because dude, one person wins every week, one person. And it's like, you're that's- never, you like, it, it just feels like the odds are always against you to be honest. And that's not an easy thing all the time. So every now and then if you play two, three tournaments in a row, I actually remember I played uh, beginning of last year, I played the South American swing. So I played Costa Rica, Barranquilla, Ecuador, and then I went and played two Brazil. So Costa Rica, I did great, played great tennis, finaled. Barranquilla, I lost in the sense, played good tennis. Ecuador, I full bodied because it was the hottest place ever and I did not want to be there. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I'm, I'm like, I do not want to be in South America anymore. I want to go home. I'm tired. I'm done. Like, I just tapped out. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I went to Brazil and I was like, okay, I feel a little better. I'm like, played my first week. I had match points on Nishesh, actually. It's funny because I played Nishesh in Costa Rica. He had match points on me. I ended up winning. Wow. I had match points on him in Porto Alegre. I had three. I was serving five, three, 40, 15 in the third. Ended up losing. That sucked. And wow. then I went the next week to Brazil. I was just like still thinking about the loss. I didn't play good tennis. And I was just like, I need to go home. Like, I you, might need, you might see Nishesh back at uh, Kalamazoo this year. I didn't realize he was competing again in that. Oh, he's so hard. He's, he's going to be there too. I mean, Nishesh is low to draw. He's a hell of a player. So um, how do you how do you shake that burnt out when you're when you're when you're not fresh mentally? Like how do you get rid of that? I know we just talked about yesterday how you're you plan on playing golf on Sunday. Does that have is that one of the things that you take your talents to to kind of get get mentally fresh or what? Well, uh, my family actually does a really good job of this because um, my sister, my one of my sisters is in college and the other other one's home here. They all they both play tennis. Uh, so whenever I get home, we'll either uh, you know play some golf or I'll play tennis with my dad. Cause like, I didn't I mean, it's not like I hate tennis. I don't want to play it. Like I don't want to stay like I'll play tennis with my dad and I'll make fun of him and you know, it'll be great. It'll be a great time. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, after I played a bunch of tournaments, my family and I went on a vacation. Like we took 10, I didn't pick up a racket for 10 days. Like I went to, went to Italy, did not play tennis at all. Didn't think about tennis, nothing came back and couldn't hit a ball obviously, but, uh, <laughs> it was well worth it. And then, uh, I think stuff like that is just helpful. Even if you're not going anywhere, just taking some time off doesn't mean like staying away from the court completely but uh i think for me at least just doing other stuff like i play golf pretty much every sunday when i'm home i try to get twice a week like i'm not the greatest player but I, like it's something to be competitive about like yeah, you, my you, dad told me, you told me the swing's butter oh i mean i lied but yeah. I, like, you're getting some range but when it is butter i will show you Okay. I need a, all right. We need a video and we need a tag at Pure Tennis Podcast so we we can show this to the people though. <laughs> I'm going out there on Sunday, so I like uh, get a clip for the boys. That's one. That's awesome. Yeah. You're also a Giants fan, so I assume you have some uh, Sundays watching some football. Oh yeah, and we had a stellar year this year. It was not. I was fully surprised by our year, so I'm a happy guy. 
Um, I wish we could have ended it a slightly better way, but a playoff win with um, with kind of a rebuilding team, dude. I'm a happy man. Let's get happy, Saquon. That's why I like to spend my yeah. Saquon's a beast. I mean, when he's healthy, yeah. come on, man. Problem. Yeah. So one more thing on the golf. I wanted to. I had to ask this. If you could pick any three people to join your foursome on a Sunday, who would you take? Yeah. And anyone. Anyone, baby. Anyone. All right. Um, that's hard. You got to do three. He's on the spot. <laughs> I'll go one from tennis. I'll go Yvonne Lendl because like, Andy's coach and I got to know him a little. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever had a conversation where he hasn't made fun of a New York football team or a New York sports team in general. So, so I'd like to beat him at golf. He's very good though. He's much he's, better than me. He's a, he's a one. He's a one. Yeah. Handicap? Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's, he can play. He, he's, he plays a lot of golf. He's much, he's much, much better than me. But um, Murray was having the points of his life and Murray's mom is going insane. And Lendl is just sitting in the chair, just like, yes. no. yeah. Yes, do that again. I'm just like, Lendl, get up and cheer for, for my guy Muzz with the fake hip. Come on now. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so that's one. Uh, I need a second one. Um, I, my dad. My dad's. My dad played a lot of golf when he was younger. Doesn't play a lot anymore. But the guy, the guy can shoot like. He can play par golf on pretty much any course if he like. I remember he told me a story. He took his clubs out from the in the closet like 15 years ago. He didn't pick them up. He hadn't played in like a couple of years. They were all dusty and everything. And he like set the course record on some place in Long Island. I was like, who is this guy? Like how much golf did you play when you were 12? Is that where you're getting, is that where you get the athletic genes from? Is Pops that guy? Let's get the eye coordination. I'm, I mean, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. He's, you're no. back he's, he's, I mean, he's in great shape. Like he does everything. But as soon as I get go to golf, He's only better than me at one thing, and that's bowling. So I, I, I dominate all sports. Right are, are you taking pops out in ping pong? Oh my goodness, it's not even close, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm a demon when it comes to that sport. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's the best junior tennis ping pong player on the circuit right now? Junior tennis. Oof. You guys play a lot of ping pong at tournaments. I mean, if there's a table, we'll play. Actually, uh, Alex, I play with Alex Mickelson all the time. Um, we played in, uh, we stayed in Memphis together at a. We, we had housing there and this guy had a ping pong table. I mean, we played like, I mean, we were there for a week. We probably played 45 hours of ping pong. It was unholy. How much time we spent there. He's one of the better ping pong players that I've played. There's a picture that I'll send you. We played for Sting. So if you lose, you like smack a ball. Yep, the other yep. one's bare back. It's super fun. It's it's probably not. Yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, he's he's really good. And then I'd probably give it to Michael Zhang. Michael's a, Michael's a stellar oh, yeah. ping pong player. He is. Yeah, so I can't even worse one. Kyle Kalka. Kang is the worst ping pong player I've ever seen in my life. The worst? So, yeah, he's terrible. Ooh, he's so I, bad. That's yeah. rough. That's rough. Shout out to Mickelson. Uh, side note, just had the biggest one of his young career against Jack Sock at the Cleveland Challenger. Pretty cool. The the, uh, the top dogs in American tennis are influencing the juniors a little bit, it looks like. It's awesome. Balled out. It was a great win. So, wait, so wait, wait. Ivan Lendl, your dad, who's the fourth? <laughs> right. Okay. Ivan Lendl, my dad, and. Who else do I want to play with? Um, I don't know, man. I don't want to go to tennis. I'd probably, I'd probably say Eli Manning, just because, like, like I want to play golf with Eli Manning. Like, come on, man. That's there you fun. go. Good foursome. I mean, yeah, that'd probably be my foursome. Let's go. That'd be, I, that'd be pretty fun. You got Eli and and Linda would be a pretty entertaining duo right there. I, th I think so. I think they they butt heads a little bit. So I'm you excited. Might have to get a, you might have to get a three seater cart and squeeze in the middle there. <laughs> that's that's the idea. 
All right, we got some, for, last question before we get some rapid fire ones in here. Are you a superstitious yeah. tennis player? My superstitious tennis. Like, player. are you one of those guys? Like, I got this bottle right here. I wanted to look like one of the tour players, where like they take off the yeah. the packaging and they have like some suspicious pink yeah. fluid in there, and no one knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Are you one of those guys that has like some certain? Do you believe in positive energy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, my uh, <laughs> my my voodoo and mojo, I keep it to a minimum. But um, but no, I'm not the most superstitious guy. But also, if like. I think routine and superstition are two different things. So if something that I do before a match, that's, you know, not like, you know, I turn my hat this way and I make sure that my water bottles at a vertical angle of, you know, like that, that seems a bit ridiculous for me. Some people may do it. And it may work for them. So there you go. But uh, for, for me, it's routine stuff, but to be honest, I've had my moments of superstition. Like if I like a ball when I'm serving, like, like for a while I would only, I would get three balls and I toss the one in my, that's on the left side out so like i still kind of do that but it's not like if i don't do it points over like i'm losing i don't have a chance but i'd say more routine routine centered than than superstition centered what is it though like in the locker room you're banging some certain music or what 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 is kind of like your pre-match routine in that sense i mean i'm simple man like i i do my warm-up with the with the fitness coach and i just do my bands and i i mean sometimes i'll listen to music before i do my warm-up but after that i mean just kind of like bounce around, hype myself up, and then I just go out there. Oh, oh, uh, something I do before every match. Like after like the, we do the um, coin toss and everything, I run back and I, I do like a butt kick thing and I touch the tarp because I've done that since I was like seven. Like when I first started tennis, so I was like, why stop now? It seems to be working. So Exactly. I don't really book it, but yeah. I mean, I, I, it's the only superstitious thing I would say I do. Did, did Rafa have any impact or influence on you using the pure arrow? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, I just, like, I tried it. yeah. I mean, I'd love to say it's like, yeah, my inspiration and everything, but, uh, I actually tried a bunch of rackets when I first played tennis and I liked hitting the ball hard. So, all right. Yeah. So we got some rapid ones coming here quick. We're going to get through these. We got, I think I know this first one, but here we go. We got forehand or backhand forehand dampener or no dampener, no dampener. Ooh, greatest ATP player of all time. Um, Rod Roger. Match point serve T or wide. On what side? Outside. Outside. Fly wide. 40 30. You're going out wide? No bomb T. 100%. Out wide. I like it. Night out or Netflix? Um Netflix. Gatorade or Powerade? Gatorade. Better coach, mom or dad. Oh God, that's hard. <laughs> it, so if it comes to it's too if it's like if it's like coaching me when I'm practice driving, then it's dad. If it's coaching me when I'm like doing anything other than that, I'm gonna go with mom. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not having my mom in the car with me. She like pretends like we're about to die in an accident. No. <laughs> Mid match snack: banana or protein bar? Uh, banana. Skittles or Snickers? Skittles, man, not even close. Pre match music artist of choice. Um, probably Eminem. Basic guy. Nothing, nothing know, flashy here. Favorite pair of shoes in your closet? I don't, I don't know. Probably one of these, well, probably the New York Giants ASIC shoes that I have. Those are, those, those are probably, they, they've taken me by surprise. <laughs> Lastly, are you in or out? I'm in. Let's go. He's in. Oh, <laughs> man.
No, we, so we we started this segment out at the ITA Fall Nats, and I just I had too much fun with it, so I had to get you. I had to get That's your. Awesome. Uh, I should have given you more interesting answers. I gotta like lie yeah, next time. Good. Those are good. Those are good. We we do have some fan questions coming. Uh, I just want to get to these really quickly as well. We also shout out to your Anne, I guess, Yessa Rack. She said, "That's my yeah. nephew. Such a stud of a human." Yessa, <laughs> I agree. He's, he's doing big things. Make the, <laughs> the future is bright. Um, Yeon Tain says, uh, "Is he single?" Am I single? Um, oh, I, I am. I, 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 I think so. No, no, I am. <laughs> Oh my god! I may have said some things to some Aussie people that I didn't quite remember. When you're down under, you're down under. Oh <laughs> I'm single. I'm single. <laughs> why are twenty? Sure. <laughs> why are twenty one? Says, do you use any supplements to help you recover or make you feel better? These um, steroids. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not juice, juicing up. Um, um, no, but uh, I mean, I, I kind of like, I'm kind of an old man when it comes to that. I take a lot of like supplements. Like I take, you know, my vitamin, vitamin B, my vitamin D, all that stuff. I take melatonin before I go to sleep sometimes. Um, I take turmeric for, I start taking a little for my shoulder, but, um, but nothing like ridiculous that needs to be noted, to be honest. I take ibuprofen before I, before I play a match sometimes, but, uh, but yeah, stuff like that. Last question was from Greg Berna, a uh, local junior star in Cincinnati. He, he, he wants to know why Harvard? Why Harvard? That's a great question, man. Um, I looked at a bunch of schools, probably around 10 schools, and narrowed it down to my senior year to about four. Which, and, which uh, four? Sorry? Which four were, were those? Uh, they were, I mean, they were just different schools. I mean, they were, uh, it was Duke, UNC, UVA, and Harvard were pretty much the four. Because um, I, I want to stay close to, close to the East Coast because my family's on this side and, you know, going all the way out to the West Coast, you know, mm-hmm. not a big fan. No, I'm kidding. Uh, California is awesome. You get to go to Pepperdine and play them. <laughs> I, played, I played with the California kids. I'm not going to bash California. Um, That's funny. Uh, but yeah, um, why Harvard? Uh, honestly, they were, at the time I was looking at the team, they were top 15, which is, I mean, a stellar, absolutely stellar team. And academics are super important to me and my family. So I think that obviously they, I mean, they obviously have the academics. Mm-hmm. And secondly, and lastly, the biggest thing for me was like Harvard is a global, like a global brand. Like if you ask anyone from any country anywhere in the world and you say, I'm going to Harvard, they'll be like, oh, they obviously know what Harvard is. And that, that's super important to me, not the, for the ego or bragging part or anything, but just for the, the, the like the universal consensus of knowledge about Harvard and what it is and what it stands for. I think that's something that can't be overlooked. That's awesome, and I'm I'm also excited to watch you have some battles with Yale, watching you and Vig Nash, and then watching uh, yeah. Jim G as well. Yeah, no, those are good guys. We'll have a lot of fun on the on the Ivy League circuit. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Coop, we really appreciate your time and coming on the Pure Tennis Podcast. I had a ton of fun getting the down low on all. Of, Thank you. It was one of our favorite episodes for sure. We will have to no. get you back on, Coop. Any. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts or uh, things that, that, that you need to tell the, the tennis fans out there? Um, why do you play tennis? Last question. Why do you play tennis? What do you love about it? Um, I play tennis because it's the only sport in the world, I think, where besides boxing where you get knocked out. But I think it's the only sport in the world where if you do something right, you have only one person to thank. And it's the best feeling in the world 
knowing you can be proud of yourself once you perform at the highest level and whatever level you're playing, the highest level you can play. So I think when you win a match, it's unmatched. It's an unmatched feeling because like it was you who did it. It wasn't, you know, you may have a team behind you, but nobody can help you go out in the court and do it. Like it's, it's just you. There's no, there's no one to pass to. There's no one to like none of that. It's just you. So when you win, you have one person to be proud of. And that's pretty much the best feeling in the world, I think. So good answer. Go. Runners, runners always talk about having that runner's high, but I think the tennis high is better. It is. It's it is. unreal, man. It, it, it really is. Winning, it winning anything. It because is. you win so you win so little. Like you never win. I mean, you win matches, but you don't win tournaments often. So I feel like when you win a tournament, it's like it's a, it's just a, just Forever. an outstanding thing. Like, yep. All right, we had 2023 Junior Aussie Open champion on the on the Good show today. Luck, buddy. Amazing time out here. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Coop, appreciate your time. We'll be tuned in with your training and uh, all your future success at these challengers and the tour events. But can't wait to see you out about and definitely know we're going to be coming asking again for an, for another uh, appearance on the Pure Talk top, podcast. Top, top fifteen, top fifteen. Yeah. He's coming. Yeah, you guys coming. are awesome, man. A lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot, Coop. All right. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. That was, uh, that's good stuff, my man.